Hi, and welcome to The Flow, presented by Herewex, a female-focused extension of Haemophilia Ontario, a not-for-profit dedicated to supporting the lives of those living with inherited bleeding disorders. I'm Natalie Filbert. And I'm Amy Griffith, and we're here to help lead the revolution for women's bleeding disorder care. A note before we begin that this is a safe place for anyone who finds value in the content, regardless of their gender identity or their reason for being here. Welcome to today's episode of The Flow. Today, we're welcoming Megan Reed, who is a board member for Haemophilia Ontario, to talk about pregnancy with a bleeding disorder. I'm really happy to have Megan with us today. She has really great experience to share, and it is a gap that a lot of people with bleeding disorders often have questions or want to hear about. So I'm really thrilled that you're with us today, Megan. So welcome. And I'll give you a second to introduce yourself. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Natalie. I'm really happy to be here with you. Obviously, as mentioned, my name is Megan. I am a board member with Haemophilia Ontario. And my most important role, of course, is being the mom of two amazing boys, one six years old and one two months, both living with severe hemophilia A. So I'm really glad to just at least shed my perspective on what my experiences have been going through both pregnancies and now in my motherhood journey with my boys. Oh, well, I'm so happy that you're here. So why don't we sort of get it started with, can you, can you talk about your first pregnancy? Because help us understand, did you know about the bleeding disorder? If not, how did you find out? Like share a little bit about how that all came to be. Absolutely. So I did not know I was a carrier of hemophilia. We had zero family history of hemophilia. So actually my pregnancy was as normal as a pregnancy could be. Robbie, we went all the way to 40 weeks gestation and Robbie actually arrived on his due date. So that's pretty uncommon, but I know uh, we were really excited when he arrived. So even going through the delivery, we did have a very long delivery. There were a couple moments that were a little bit nerve wracking, I'm sure for many first time moms, but thinking back to it, Robbie's head got stuck when we were in the delivery. So we got really lucky that they didn't actually use any tools or forceps or vacuums and Robbie was able to be delivered safely. And in hindsight, we were just so incredibly lucky that that didn't need to occur. Fast forward eight months, that's when Robbie got diagnosed with severe hemophilia type A. And really what led us to look into whether there was something to be concerned about was just the fact that Robbie was getting a lot of bruises and hematomas, definitely not something you would ever expect to see on an infant. So we knew we were taking really good care of him besides my in-laws. My husband and I were really the only people that were ever really caring for our son. So there was no reason he should have had these bruises. And obviously you can imagine it was quite scary. So I remember at the time going to our pediatrician and asking her, what do you think could have caused this? And her telling us at the time, she would absolutely help us do some testing and look into it, but also to be aware that children's aid could look into it, that obviously she was going to have to report it as he was an infant, some bruising. So Luckily for us, we were able to get the blood work done fairly quickly and we were asked to go into the hospital and we had no idea why we were, we were going in. And I know Robbie had to have some more tests done at the time and I'll never forget the day they called us in and they said, you might want to bring 
some support with you. So make sure you bring your husband and just prepare to be at the hospital for several hours. So maybe bring a snack and just come prepared to be there. So we got called into hematology and oncology. So we were very, very nervous. It was a day that I don't really like to think about a lot, to be honest. But after meeting with the doctor and he explaining to us that Robbie actually had hemophilia. So I had very little knowledge about what hemophilia even was. Obviously, I knew it was a bleeding disorder, but to go into specifics wasn't something that neither myself or my husband had any experience with. So the doctor explained he did have severe hemophilia. It meant his factor levels were 0%. And he just wanted that to sink in for us. And then basically said, we we can discuss further about what the next options are going to be. But I distinctly remember them handing us a very thick binder (laughs) and it was filled with everything you could want to know about hemophilia and basically saying, go home, read this information and we'll set up the next appointment and go through what the next steps were going to be. So I just remember thinking, do I have to quit my job? Is this something that I'm going to have to be at home with him all the time? What does this mean? So it was just a ton of questions that we had. And really, we had to start from square one and just even learning about the diagnosis. Very stressful. Definitely. Especially having no previous knowledge. I mean, Mm -hmm. when you say hemophilia, most people have an idea that it has something to do with blood. But Mm -hmm. beyond that, the general person doesn't really know much more. So to hear that for the first time, and, and I'm just thinking about how scary it must have been to hear, okay, expect to be at the hospital for several Mm -hmm. hours, bring support, and you're going to the oncology and hematology unit. Mm -hmm. That just, oh, thanks for sharing that part, Megan, because I'm sure that you don't like to go back and review that time period a whole lot, because that would have been very scary. So how did you find the process, then you go home, you've got this big binder. What was it like then somewhat acclimating yourself to all of this information? Because it's a lot to take in. It's so much information. And of course I did what probably most people start doing. Not only did I read through the binder, but then you start Googling and you just sort of go down this rabbit rabbit hole of information and try to take everything in. I also wanted to try to have informed questions. I knew we were going to be going back to meet with the doctor and I wanted to know what should, what should I be asking? What should I be doing? And just sort of figuring out what my new role, the mom of a a hemophiliac was going to look like, how that was going to be different than what it had been so far. So I think for us, it was just trying to compartmentalize the information and then say, what do we need to know? What is coming up right in front of us? What, what are the next few months going to look like versus what are the next few years going to look like with a son growing up with hemophilia? Right, right. And did they decide to test either you or your husband? So you know, they asked us a ton of questions at the time. And of course, one of the funniest questions, I always bring this up because I get a good chuckle out of it was whether or not my husband and I were related. Of course, we're not related, but they did do genetic testing, both on my son, Robbie and myself. So that took, I would say a couple months actually to get that back to really have the information. But we did find out that the genetic mutation was with myself. So I grew up my entire life, not knowing that I carried the hemophilia gene and not really having any symptoms of hemophilia that I would have thought about at the time. Of course, looking back in hindsight, things are different, but not knowing, not knowing at the time. So 
that was pretty interesting to find that out. We did go one step further and actually my mom had some testing done as well. And that's where it ended was with me. So it was just interesting to find that, to find that out. Yeah, it is interesting. And I think we could even do a whole separate talk Mm -hmm. on not knowing your whole life. So realistically, just everything for you being normal, but Mm -hmm. I I would love to have a whole separate conversation about (laughs) what it was like once, once you start looking back and Mm -hmm. seeing, you know, things that you go, huh? Okay. So maybe that wasn't normal, but Mm -hmm. that's, that's a, that's a talk for another day. So Now, moving into realistically talking, I I thought it was good to get a background about how you came to know, because for your second pregnancy, you at least were armed with some information. Mm -hmm. So what did you do differently? How did you do what? How did you take on this second pregnancy? So they were two totally different experiences. I have to say that absolutely totally different in every, every way possible. So we do have a six year age gap between the two boys. And part of that was by design. Of course, we wanted to get really comfortable with being able to be great caretakers for a son with hemophilia and just getting to know what that routine looks like, which we, I think we did a great job and we definitely knew we wanted to have at least one more child. So we decided it was going to be going to be the time that we were going to do that. So I did have my factor levels tested. And each time I had my, my factor levels tested, they tested above normal range. So I felt pretty confident that in terms of myself, because you have to make two considerations, what are the health risks for yourself going through a labor and delivery, being a carrier of hemophilia, and then what are the possible concerns or complications for your child? So We knew that, you know, Robbie in our eyes is is perfect. We felt very confident as parents of a hemophiliac that if our our second child did have hemophilia, that we would be fully prepared to handle that in all of the best ways. So once we knew my factor levels were good, we decided that we would have an amniocentesis when the timing was right. So the first steps, of course, are finding out that I was carrying a boy. So going through that ultrasound and a lot of times I think parents get to pick and choose. Are you going to find out for us? It was a definite need to determine the sex of the child as soon as we possibly could to just understand what that was going to look like. So the second baby turned out he was a boy. So we were excited that he was going to be a boy. I absolutely love being a boy mom. And then I had a referral. So immediately I went from my OB to being referred into a special pregnancy program at another hospital. So things definitely in terms of just my pregnancy care, I felt were totally different. So I was at appointments every two weeks. I was having ultrasounds every two weeks. So I got to see this baby really develop all the way through the pregnancy. I feel like I got to know him a little bit better than I did with, with my first son. So, you know, we, you have to make the decision about what's right. Do you have an amniocentesis? Do you wait to have the cord blood tested during the delivery? Initially, I thought we would wait. And then through discussion with my medical team and my husband, we just decided for us, the best choice was to have the amnio. So we waited until I was 35 weeks pregnant, because at that point, the baby is basically full term. He was good. He's healthy. There's little to no risk with having the procedure done. And waiting to get those results back, I can tell you that was like edge of your seat. They tell you it'll take a couple of weeks, but you're just on waiting with bated breath. So yeah, a couple of um, weeks when you're waiting yeah. for something feels like it could be years. That's was, a long time. 
it was, it was very different. And I mean, even meeting with the different teams. So in this case, I had the opportunity to meet with genetics. I had the opportunity to meet with hematology. I was meeting with my OB. I was meeting with the anesthesiologist that was going to give me the epidural. So I just felt really super confident that all of the right things were being done to make sure that this delivery was going to be um, great. So when we finally did get the results back, I remember sitting in with hematology and genetics and for some reason, I did not think this baby was going to come back with hemophilia. I don't know. I just had a feeling. And of course they told me your baby is affected with hemophilia. And I don't know, I must've been emotional that day, but it was like, I just kind of broke down. So as much as I had prepared for it, I just had a, a lot of emotion coming out at that time. And then you think, did I make the right decision? But I think we, we felt strongly that we did. And I'm glad that I had the results done because I feel like you get so much more information. So we knew that the baby was perfectly healthy in every other way. And we were going to be well prepared to, um, to have the delivery with hemophilia. So the second discussion of course, is do you have a cesarean or do you have a vaginal delivery? And my first delivery was vaginal and I really wanted to try to have that type of birth again with my second son. For me, I felt like there was more rest, risk having a cesarean section. I know that's a discussion, a hot topic that comes up a lot, but I felt really good about the information my doctor was giving me. We had a lot of discussion around what the best choice was going to be. You know, my son, William, he's my second boy. He was quite big. So we were getting to see him through all of these ultrasounds and seeing how large he was growing. And so, you know, we were just looking to see, okay, how is this delivery going to be? He's a big baby. So we did decide to, to be induced. So the doctor had me induced when we thought it was the right time. So I think that was the right choice for us to do that. And I felt, I felt good about it, but it was there's more nerves going into it the second time, because, you know, definitely there's just more you're thinking about. And I would say just preparing with my husband than I, I did the first time. I really, I really appreciate how you sort of repeatedly say we made this decision based on our healthcare team and our, our particular family situation, because I think it's important for anybody listening that this is your experience. Um, but for anyone who is pregnant or planning a pregnancy or even contemplating, this is where your team comes in and your own situation, because every single decision that's made will be dependent on those specific factors to you. And always the health team is the place to go to, to ask those questions and help make those decisions. So I really appreciate because I keep hearing you go, you know, we decided for us and, and I appreciate that. And I also like how you highlighted, there are some hot button topics when it comes to pregnancy and delivery and new babies. There's controversy on everything, whether it's to have the amniocentesis, whether it's to have what type of delivery. And there's always people on either side of that discussion. And you are not a medical expert. I am not a medical expert, but you know, it's that reminder that it always comes back to making a decision that is right for you, that's individual and specific to you and in conversation with your medical team. So thanks for that acknowledgement, because I think that's really important. 
Another thing that I was thinking, Megan, when you were talking is that I, I love how you share that you were so prepared and you both made this decision knowing that the possibility could be there. You felt very prepared to be parents of another hemophiliac. No problem. This was a decision you felt very confident, but that you still felt emotional when those results came in. That emotion is real and raw. So I really thank you for sharing that because I think that it's, it's, you can be prepared, you can want all of things, but like anything else, we experience those moments of real emotional feeling. And, and I, I think, I thank you for sharing that because that's, it's just part of the realness that can be surrounding that. So how, how did everything kind of what happened then with delivery and after delivery and how did all that, I'm hearing you sounded supported by your medical team. Mm -hmm. I definitely did. It was something too that I also felt really good about. I, I work a full-time job. I also felt really supported by my employer because obviously I was having to go to these appointments every two weeks. So I needed a little bit of flexibility to do that, but I felt that I had the right amount of time with each of the medical experts. So it wasn't one doctor. You were getting a lot of different advice and experience and just sort of counseling from the whole team. And then it was great for Rob and I, my husband to discuss, you know, what are the best options? How are we feeling? So, I mean, really the pregnancy itself was quite normal. There was nothing, you know, nothing out of the ordinary about it, except knowing what was going to happen at delivery. So being induced, I just remember having a lot of anxiety and it, it was so my husband, I think felt more calm this time around. He felt more prepared and I felt like I had more anxiety. So the two of us together, it was, it was pretty funny, but well, it was a balancing, you know, it was 17 hours. So I remember we got induced and thinking this is going to go quickly. And usually that's what they say. The second one comes a little bit faster. And although it was shorter than my first delivery, it still felt like a long time. And so the delivery itself went really, really well. I sort of, I had prepared prepared myself for it. And, you know, you sort of go through these exercises a few months before, because I knew that I wanted to be able to have this delivery without using any type of tools, forceps, vacuums, that sort of thing. And so we did that and we had a beautiful baby boy, William, and he was eight pounds and nine ounces. So not quite as big as we thought he was, but still a pretty good That's a big guy. And, you know, it was so it was just sort of surreal and beautiful at the same time. So right after delivery, hematology was in the hospital room with us, they looked over everything was great. He was doing great. His heart rate was great. It wasn't until a couple hours later when we were taken out of the operating room and brought down to uh, brought down to her room. And we took his little cap off and, you know, we were just sort of checking him over and he had an entire bruise all over the top of his skull. So, you know, then you're just panicking because you're like, oh my gosh, here we go. And again, the team was really great. So they took him in and they did an ultrasound to see where the blood was. And they did a lot of tests, but we were also prepared. So he went into the NICU and they did treat him with factor. I mean, that's generally the rule factor first. So he had his first dose of factor after he was just a couple of hours old. And it turned out it was blood, you know, surface level blood on top of his skull. So really more cosmetic than anything, which thank goodness for that. And He was perfectly healthy, but again, we felt like it was the right decision to just treat him with that factor and make sure he was, he was doing really, really well. So by the next day, we were actually able to bring him back down and take him out of the NICU and he was doing so well. And 
I just remember seeing him in there because he's such a big baby. And a lot of times you see these little tiny babies in the incubators and there's William, you know, big, healthy baby, just getting his factor. But I do remember the nurses looking at how to mix the factor. And you do feel like a bit of an expert because you're showing them, no, no, I got this. Let me show you how to mix, how to mix the factor to be able to give him his treatment. So definitely felt more prepared with that. So along those lines, because again, yes, you would have felt way more prepared in you, you know how to mix factor, you know what to do. And I think, I think lots of people who live with a bleeding disorder often feel like they are a little bit more expert in environments that they go into. So do you have any thoughts or any ideas? And again, not advice, because we're not handing out advice, certainly, but any thoughts or anything that you would suggest if planning a pregnancy or currently pregnant or anything that just comes to mind that when you experience something, you're like, oh, I would have maybe thought to ask this or ask that or check into this. I definitely think you want to make sure that you feel really confident with the team that you have and, you know, just be sort of involved. Like when you're going through the ultrasound, like you get really comfortable with things like being able to look at the blood flow and definitely you're not an expert, but it just, it just makes you feel, I think a little bit better, but I would say the pregnancy in itself, there's not really a lot to be overly concerned about. I think it's just a lot of preparation and planning for that delivery and sort of what are the next steps going to look like and really just feeling confident that you are asking the right questions. You know, what would happen if he does have a bleed? What would happen, you know, if, if this bleeding doesn't stop, like just to be able to have, have that plan. Mm -hmm. But I think it's probably more, what's the word I'm looking for? you probably worry more about it than you need to, you know, like a lot of times, like those babies are so resilient, you know, like they really, really are. I think more than we think that they are. And I think it gets really interesting with hemophilia when they start to get a little bit older with Robbie at eight months, he was diagnosed, but at 14 months, he had his port put in and then started receiving prophylaxis with William. While we've had definitely our meetings and our our discussions with the team about what his treatment plan will look like. It's really just like having a baby that doesn't have hemophilia. We know he does. Obviously we're a little bit careful. We do his head to toe checks every single day when he has his bath, but he's not going to start receiving treatment till a little bit later on. So I think just really don't overthink it and just try to enjoy the experience. Like don't make the pregnancy about the hemophilia, make it about the baby and then just what are the things, the considerations you're going to take to take care of your child? Really good advice because it goes by really fast. Right. And I really love that your, your piece of that was try to really enjoy it. There's things you have to consider certainly, but try to enjoy it. I love that. Another question that just came up for me is you were talking about how, when you were making the decision to have a second pregnancy that you did need to consider health risks for you. Mm-hmm. as well as health, health risks for delivery and baby. So now was there anything specific that you had to, like, I know you were getting your factor levels mm-hmm. checked and was there anything else that was sort of suggested to you around 
any risks for for pregnant mothers? To be honest, there there wasn't a lot. Like I was referred to the special pregnancy program. And, you know, I remember having the conversations even with the doctors at the time that you're my pregnancy was, I was perfectly healthy. The pregnancy was going very smoothly. There was no other outside risks. It was just really thinking about making sure that both myself and the baby were going to be safe and healthy during that delivery period. I definitely felt good about speaking with genetics. And I think for someone, if you, this is your first child and you're a carrier, I think those conversations are hugely important because it just helps you understand what could happen where it's coming from. And it just makes you feel a lot better. I think I was in a different because obviously a lot of the things they were explaining to me, I already had experience with because of my first child. So I think it's just spend that extra time. And most likely you're going to find that they take a lot of care of you as a mom too. Like I was sort of surprised about that because you think a lot of the care is going to go after the child and it always does as it should, but it was just I felt really, really good about the care that I was receiving. There was a lot of check-ins for myself, for even just my mental health, my mental well-being. How are you feeling about this? Even after the baby was born, the doctors were still checking in with me, calling my cell phone. And I just, I had such a great experience with that. You know, even the day in the office, when I found out they were really the ones that were consoling me and to check on me after. And I just felt really good about that. So I think just lean into the support that can be offered to you through those, those teams. I like that. I like that leaning into the support that can be offered. And I think, I think also with there being different types of bleeding disorders that you can be experiencing, you know, really having those conversations, really finding out from your health team, what's the best sort of plan for you during pregnancy and delivery and, and leaning into the support. I really, really like that. Is there anything else that you wanted to say before we wrap it up, Megan, anything else that, I mean, I'm so glad you shared some of this story about Robbie and William. It's such a great story. I don't, I haven't heard the whole story. So this was really fun for me just to walk through that journey with you. So I'll just leave it in case there's anything else you want to offer and then we can wrap it up. I would just say spend a lot of time doing that self-care after the baby comes, because one of the things that I was dealing with, obviously, after was, I think, prolonged bleeding and just understanding, you know, any risk factors that could come after the delivery up to six to eight weeks after. So I felt really good about having knowing what questions to ask this time around that I didn't the first time. So I think just making sure you have a really great care plan in place for not just the baby, but yourself after the baby comes, because it's just really important that you're taking care of yourself and looking for those, those potential risks that could happen after the delivery as well. But in my opinion, yeah, I couldn't be happier. I couldn't be happier with both of my boys. I feel, you know, really excited about the future of medicine and what's happening with hemophilia, the care that they get. So I think for us, it was definitely, we wouldn't have made any other decision. And I think, you know, my, my parents used to always say to me when Robbie first got diagnosed that, you know, I think certain people end up being the parents of these wonderful children because they're really able to do the best job in raising them and, and sort of going through this journey with them. And I feel, I feel like that's probably the case. So I'm very happy and glad to be their mom. 
Oh, well, I love the story. Thank you so much for sharing that today. I really, really enjoyed this. And I mean, I can say, you know, you and Rob and everybody, you've jumped into Hemophilia Ontario, like you've just jumped in and embraced all that you can to know and gotten involved. And I would say that to anybody too. find, find ways to get involved and reach out and make these connections, because this is really how it becomes part of helping you feel a part of something that makes it feel more connected and just more knowledge and more ways of sharing. So thank you so much for today, Megan. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Natalie. The Flow is presented by Herowex, a female-focused extension of Haemophilia Ontario, a not-for-profit dedicated to supporting the lives of those living with inherited bleeding disorders, in partnership with funding by Octopharma. Find us online at www.herowex.ca. That's www.heroix.ca for resources, research, and support from our community. Listen, subscribe, and leave us a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.